Hello and welcome to another Sleepy Time Review. We are looking at the Atlanta Falcons' visit to the Carolina Panthers, with the Panthers taking the get victory 25-15, to staying in the running, believe it or not, to make the playoffs, which is somewhat crazy. Um, this game is one of those boring, interesting games. I think that's the best way of describing it. The rain was just relentless throughout the entire game, and it meant that some of the cracks on the Atlanta Falcon team that we've kind of been waiting to appear actually did appear in this one. Uh, Marcus Mariota, who has been playing well above what we believe to be his level, um, just looked fairly mortal in this one, making a ton of mistakes, uh, and was lucky to only leave with one interception. There was a couple of like unreal drops from the Panthers uh, that could have absolutely sealed the fate of the Atlanta Falcons earlier in this one. Uh, really, this game was all about what the Panthers were able to do on the ground. Um, and and much like the last game that the Panthers did nearly win, it feels like they've got their number on the ground. Deontay Foreman, Dante Foreman, uh, has just he ran for 130 yards in this one for 31 times. He ran for 118 yards in the last game as well. He just seems to have this team's number and seems to be the go-to guy when it comes to what they want to do with them. Uh, PJ Walker was pretty much there to hand the ball off. Uh, but there was a couple of key plays, Therese Marshall with a, with a, um, a 43-yard grab, and um, DJ Moore as well. Like this, this, it's, this Panthers team is not a Super Bowl-winning team, but by no stretch of the imagination is it looking bad. Therese Marshall, DJ Moore, and Leviska Chanel are teaming up to look like a acceptable wide receiver group. Um, on the other side of the ball, the Panthers did such a good job of just loading the box and just saying to the Falcons, why don't you try and beat us in the air? Like, understanding what the weather was like, understanding who the quarterback they were facing was, and just understanding that it was going to be very difficult for the Falcons to beat them uh, through the air, basically. Um, it's It just played in the whole game, played into what the Panthers obviously came in to do. Uh, and, and understood what it was that they were going to be good at in this one. The Falcons' inability to get the run game going, 138 yards, uh, which by the Falcon standards is not great, um, combined with, I mean, a total of 153 yards when you take out sacks from Marcus Mariota, and one of them being one of the weirdest sacks I've ever seen where he launches the ball into the air. Um, I... I it just felt like the Falcons were due a game where they were going to fall flat. And that's definitely what this one seems like. Um, <clears throat> in the grand scheme of things, I mean, this game doesn't make a whole load of difference. It's fun to see some of these, some of the players um, really begin to stand out. I think Shaq Thompson had a very good game in this one, if I'm honest. Uh, Therese Marshall is beginning to look like a go-to guy for big plays for the, for the Panthers. Uh, and then we got some idiocy from Baker Mayfield headbutting everyone. I don't really know what that was all about, but it was weird. Star of the show, though, Deontay Foreman, 130 yards and 31 carries. The first, according to ESPN, first Panthers running back to have 31 carries since 2004, which is crazy considering if you if you consider how they've had Christian McCaffrey for the last several years as well. Uh, I don't think that either team has to come away feeling worried about what they have to change in this one. The Falcons know what their deficiencies are this season. They're in the middle of a rebuild, and the Panthers are knocking on the door of one. We're seeing the very last days of Rome in terms of the Carolina Panthers, and just a bevy of players that are all fighting to make sure that they make the roster next year, which could be heavily stripped down when the offseason kicks in. So, 
Panthers come away with this one, three and seven. Falcons are four and six. Both are kind of knocking on the door, but it really depends what the Bucks do this weekend in Germany. And to discuss that, I'm going to hand you over to me for the main pod. Thank you very much. I'm Scott Hansen with NFL Red Zone, and you are listening to the Gridiron Gentlemen. Hello and welcome to part two of this week's Gridiron Gentlemen podcast. You'll have just heard the sleepy time review for the Falcons and Panthers game, which is no doubt another amazing game equal to the original one that only happened two weeks ago, it felt like, and I think it was only two weeks ago, mm. um, in which one of the teams did really well and the other team also did really well and one team came out on top and there was touchdowns maybe or field goals or some points of some description, um, some defensive plays probably happened some offensive plays probably happened and i am rambling so i'm going to move on uh we are we're going to discuss the remaining slate of week 10 can't believe we're in week 10 already which is absolutely to me crazy right um and then but but first i think missed an opportunity last night because me and alan sorry i mean a few days ago because me and alan um (laughs) got um a little too excited talking about the colts um Okay. So, uh, joining me tonight, it's it's another it's another duo tonight. So it's me and James. James, oh. how's it going, buddy? It's going great. Um, you're lucky because I, I I don't get excited anymore. Do you not? No, I'm in I'm in my forties. So am I. So you know. Yeah. But it's um, oh, no, no. I got very excited when the Colts did what they did. Do um, you want to talk about it? I know you said really. you didn't. Not but... really, because I'll just get angry. <laughs> Does it make sense to you in any way, shape or form? Absolutely none whatsoever. No, no. I'm quite happy to just kind of sit here and watch it kind of implode now. So it's going to be great. I'm looking at, yeah. Um, so non-related, non-football related question, because this is the other thing I'm getting excited about at the moment. James, I know you're a Star Wars fan. Have you watched Andor yet? Have I watched <clears> Andor? I woke up this morning at 5am <laughs> and 5.01 I'd cranked open Disney Plus and I was, I was just crying in anticipation for episode 10. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> It is, it is, and, and, and spoiler alert. <laughs> I might beep that out, just in case people haven't. Because, yeah. like, if people have watched, like, two episodes up to then, that's, like, the big climax. But it is. And Jar Jar Binks being the one that, 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 <clears throat> that shuts the power down was <clears throat> a nice touch. Yeah, I thought it was, um, I thought it was a bit odd when Stellan Skarsgård pulled his helmet off, he pulled his, his face off, his whole face. And yeah, it turned out to be yeah. Jar Jar Binks. That was crazy to me. It was know. great. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Who knew? Dark and then, then puts on a Mandalorian helmet and we get three episodes of the Mandalorian helmet, a Mandalorian randomly in the middle of this one, like we did with Book Bo- of Boba Fett. Oh, was there a magical appearance of Luke Skywalker as well? Oh, yeah, so probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like this and or for me, and we will get onto football in a second, and or for me has put the likes of Book of Boba Fett into perspective and even Obi-Wan into perspective as to being just okay. Um, cause, cause, uh, Andor is a bit, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just in love with it. I, I think it's incredible. Best thing I've watched this year. So except for just a good drama, it's just a good drama that happens to be star Wars. Like it does. Yeah. It's, it's also a bit of a lefty's dream, isn't it? Let's be honest, James. Like it's oh, it is. It's it's an yeah. absolute. It it it's like it's like a, a, an allegory or a metaphor for yeah. society as it's happening now. Only you gotta obviously, love, 
you, you've got to love quite. the people um, who are complaining that Star Wars is getting political. And it's like, it's always been political. It was always political. Yeah. Sorry. Always. It, it's always been about the rebels rising up against an evil empire. I mean, it, it's the same thing, but but they're just kind of going in, into how deep the evil empire actually is in this as well. And, and that, that's one of the things I love about it is how oppressive it all feels. Like how... It's the first thing in Star Wars that I've uh, that I haven't thought like ah the rebels are one side and the Empire is another side and they're kind of on reasonably equal footing even the rebels are kind of on the run. This this is kind of this is kind of like that. No, it, this is difficult. This is going to be difficult to get out of this. I love it. And then I just nearly, the way it gets yeah. claustrophobic with the oh. whole sort of stalker kind of storyline that that, hmm. is, that is slowly building as well. And how great is Mon Mothma in this as well? Well, yeah, exactly. And just the whole sort of tense kind of home life that they have and mm. how claustrophobic that, that all feels. It, it at once feels like it's got this massive broad scope, this massive Star Wars yeah. universe, but then in the next scene it can feel very claustrophobic. Yeah. And like you are stuck in this room in these private moments with these people. And it just, it's just, it does what good drama should do. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah one of the best things I've seen this this week. Obviously, that's because I haven't seen the week ten slate, which is what we're going to talk about now. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, before we do that, let's 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 have a quick quick catch up and let's do our halfway through the year award predictions. Like we we okay. won't take too long on it, but everyone else is doing it, so I wanted to do it. Basically, is how I look Not, at it. So, so what do you mean, as things stand now, or um, reading the tea leaves? Uh, what do you think would be more fun? I think as things stand now might might make more sense because you know we, I suppose we can just say we've seen yes. actually seen things rather than predicting things. So yeah, I yeah. think so. I think okay, that's a, that's, that's a good idea. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. Then let's start. Let's start how we always start. Actually, we usually start with defensive rookie of the year, don't we? But okay, let's defensive rookie of the year. That's easier, I suppose. Um, it, it is Source Gardener, isn't it? Uh, yeah, hands down. Yeah, I, I don't see anyone else making as big an impact on the game as he is right now. He's just unreal. No, and and he's done it against like a pretty strong slate of opponents, to be honest. Hmm. And just yeah, like you say, he has made impact plays at opportune times. He's been consistently good hmm. week in week out, and just absolutely exactly what we thought he might be plus yeah. about 10 percent more yeah he he is the um best possible scenario best possible scenario for what could happen when he left college to come to the nfl i think he's also fun he's also fun yeah he is that as well and that definitely I like helps it. I um if i had to had a shout out i like still like Jalen petrie for um for the texans no, Texans aren't really doing anything, but I think he's had a reasonably good season. I think they, in general, had a really good draft. Um, he has been excellent, and I mm. think in any other year, Tariq Woolen would steal it. Oh, my God, absolutely. Well. But, yeah. Um, but then I think this year, you've kind of walked into this really strong class of rookie corners. Yeah. But, you know, there's about five or six players that are performing really, really well. Jack Jones as well. Yep, Jack Jones, mm. and then you know you look at some of the edge defenders that have come in. They've done quite well. I mean, mm. Aiden Hutchinson's done done okay. He he seems to be performing much better now that he's kind of 
settling into a style of play that more suits him. Well, basically, basically put him in a two-point stance. A yes. Changed almost everything for him. Yeah, he's so, he's much much more um, dominant. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but yes, I I think hands down it's source. Has to be source. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Offensive rookie of the year. Well, this is kind of interesting because I, I mean, I think Bruce Hall made a very, very good case. Yeah, for me it, too. Um, before he got injured, and I think that that had he not got injured, that that would just keep building momentum. Let's not forget the job that Garrett Wilson has done in mm-hmm. New Orleans on an offense. You know, with three quarterbacks who are basically. Alave. Not great. So, yeah, Chris Alave, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah, Chris Alave and how consistent he's been. And, mm. like, you know, he's on course for, like, well over a 1,000 yards this season. He's yeah. going to lead the team in receptions and receiving yards on a team that's got Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, although they are both hurt. Um, so, we shouldn't underestimate that. Mm. Kenneth Walker, yeah. he's definitely up there as well. I, But I think... And I think for me, though, if I was kind of to talk about the player who I think in a couple of years' time is probably going to be the best out of all of them, I think we're probably looking at the two players I think will be better than all of the, all of these guys is probably going to be Damien Pierce and George Pickens. But yeah, at this moment in time, I would probably have to say, just because they're on the field healthy and the impact they're having on their team and how well that team is doing, mm. I would probably say it's Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker's up there. I, I, I was thinking same team. Uh, Charles Cross potentially yeah. as well. Um, just... I think. I mean, I would want to say Charles Cross. Yeah, and everyone would go, "Oh, you've been such a hipster." Yeah, but yeah, we, we should we shouldn't underestimate what him and he and Abraham Lucas have been able to do as yeah. bookends on that offensive line. Well, that's the thing. So I'd like to give it to both of them. Like like a, a joint award for for just coming in and just being. Absolutely oh, let's dominant. just be damned and give it to the Seahawks tackles. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, Garrett Wilson as well for the Jets is worth a mention as well. So. Yeah. Yep. Garrett yeah. Wilson for the Jets has been excellent as well. He's been uh, he's been really good, and I think by season end, I think um, potentially Greg Dolkich could well be in with the shout because he's really good. Have gotten hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like he's about really the only thing on that piece. offense that is hot. Well, he seemed to be um, in the London game ago. At least he seemed to be like the go-to for um, for, for Russ, didn't he? So, well, he's only played meaningful snaps snaps in three games, and yeah. all three games he's been very good. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Really, really good point. Um, okay, let's do assistant coach of, of assistant. the the halfway point, like the 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 person, the coordinator, or assistant that that seems to have stepped up this year. Oh, gosh. Um, Dan Quinn stands out still um, as someone who's just I don't know whether he stepped up from what he was doing last year but he's still just been consistently excellent this year as well I think the way we harped on about how how the Cowboys was the situation the Cowboys were in last Mm. year was completely and totally unsustainable and everybody was saying it's unsustainable it's unsustainable but they've sustained it yeah Um, and so we all feel a bit stupid and rightly so um I think I think yeah he he he's been very good at kind of reading the route that the NFL room and kind mm. of working out hold at the minute I do have to do something different I can't just be Gus Bradley 
yeah um and just you know be like king can you and tell the, <laughs> the waves of the waves of the passing game to leave me alone sorry that's a terrible terrible way about <laughs> it but but yeah i think he's been very good i think you can look at jonathan gannon was another one for me definitely the eagles definitely definitely definitely, yeah. definitely. um in fact, yeah, I, I, the, there's also a fair bit to be said about Shane Waldron as well. Yeah, let's let's be honest that that it's kind. Of, but how much of that is him lucking into two tackles and a running back? True, because um, I think that's had a lot to do with Gino's improvement this year. But also at the same time, what he's been able to do for Gino has been has been great. And yeah, I think Shane Waldron's made a really great, great start to this year. Mm, I agree. Yeah. Um Mike LaFleur potentially as well for the Jets. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean they should, I think I think if you can kind of nickel and dime and and, and, and yeah, toothpicks and chewing gum and offense together. Yeah. And just about score enough points to win games. Like that, that does say something. I, I think I would be still a bit reluctant to crown him because we still, it's the same Zach Wilson. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the and same reason why, it's the same reason why Ken Dorsey doesn't necessarily <coughs> get a nod for me. Just no. because I, we'll see what happens this week before I, before I can start crowning Ken Dorsey as being a, one of the top offensive coordinators in the league, I think. So, mm. like, if, if, Either he's dealing with an injured Josh Allen or he's got Case Keenum in there and he can somehow make it look effective, then I think that's that gives him a nod. But but currently I think that I mean Jonathan Gannon's probably my, my front runner, if I'm honest with you. I think we'll go with Gannon. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. Um comeback player of the year. <laughs> it, I Yeah. They haven't come back from an injury. They've just come back from being the original version of themselves. Yeah. It, 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 it's going to be Gino. It's got to be Gino, right? Like, I'm not willing yeah. to give him MVP. So it's... it's No. Yeah. No, of course not. I, I, I no. think it's, it's Gino as well. I think he's definitely the comeback player of the year. Now, you could argue that people have different ideas of what comeback player of the year actually means. But I think it's literally as simple as, well, they've come back from some form of, of adversity. And Gino's form of adversity was that he was coming back from the fact that his start to his career just didn't go very well. So, well, so yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's kind of the parallel to the second act of Kurt Warner's career, isn't it? Really, mm. he, he went to the Giants and he was horrendous, um, and then he he went to the Cardinals and was horrendous for a little bit, and then all of a sudden. He had his own comeback, and I think it, comeback doesn't just have to be, you know, from some kind of catastrophic injury. It should be a comeback from, from, from any adversity or anything that's held you back from, you know, being great. Yeah, and yeah, he he he, he has come back from being Geno Smith. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. Geno Smith. Yeah, yeah, no, totally so, agree. Yeah. Uh, head coach, you, you see. This is really hard this year because hmm. you could you could you could pick a few names that, that again any other year you would just go ah oh, they should win it but this year we've got 
quite a few now. Yeah, there now. is some good ones. The person I'm going to pick is actually, it's not a glamorous choice. Mm. And and their team isn't even very good. I just think that what they're doing is insane. Yeah. Um, but I think honourable mention should be made for Mike McDaniels. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think he has transformed to her. Yeah, he is. Like, whatever happens... Whoever gets, it is, I mean, it's a symbiotic relationship, though, isn't it? it, it but it's whoever, whoever you're going to give the credit for, for what Tua is doing. And I think genuinely think it's a combination of Mike McDaniel and Tua. The fact yeah. that he has turned him into a confidence starting quarterback in the NFL and a, a top, probably a yep. top five quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, yeah. And it's, it's execution. Yeah, yeah. And it's 100% because he's been put in a position to win with the, the right weapons and the right yeah. scheme to get those weapons open as well. So, no, yeah. that, and that's absolutely correct. And yeah. and what he's done with that offense, with the tools they have on the line as well, particularly what, what they're able to put together, running and passing downs and the way they're able to score mm. that many points, almost at will. It, it's very, very impressive for, for you know, the first first half of a season so yeah. um, he does deserve a shout um brian dayball i i just I, I marvel at what he's achieved yeah um he, he's done an even more of a macgyver job with the giants and I, I i don't know how sustainable it is but it seems that it's just sheer will yeah that, that's put him through and there's something to be said maybe pete carroll's name being there too I definitely deserves a nod. Um, Mike McCarthy. I know, right? It's bonkers, but it, he he has no, to he has no. to get some of the credit. Like if he was just he someone off the street, like Jeff Saturday, um, then and we and like uh, they were being as successful as they are, we would be we'd be praising him. But it's only because no, he's absolutely. Mike McCarthy that we assume it's everyone else that's doing something. So I can't decide between my top two. Yeah. I think what Nick Sirianni has done with the Eagles is insane. Yeah. Because the further down the season we get, the less I can see them losing. (laughs) It's bonkers. And and I don't normally feel like that. Um, And it, it all feels very kind of... I don't doubt that they could beat any team in the NFL and on a good day. That they would no doubt that they could beat yeah. so many of these teams in just completely different ways as well. Exactly. So I think what 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 Siriani has been able to get out of both phases mm. of the game and the games he's been able to win and, you know, winning in adversity, particularly the way that Jags game started mm. as well, the way they came back from that. And then the weeks where they curb stomp people as well. It's kind of like you have some confidence in that. Um, but also I think along with Sirianni, we have to give a shout out to a guy whose team isn't even really in playoff contention. I think it, it should be Mike Rabel, who is definitely someone who is right up there. Yeah. He's not, I mean, everything that team shed this year, like AJ Brown going, they've got no one at receiver and they are still, their offensive line is the worst it's been in years. 
Taylor Lewan's gone down injured as well. Mm. And they just consistently overperform. Um, just constantly overperforming. You know, a level they have no right kid, to. Yeah. You know when you're a kid, right? Mm. And you're learning a sport in PE. Yeah. And the PE teacher goes on about no fouls, mm. no penalties, no mistakes, you know, play the game right, you know, mm. this is what you do, don't waste time, play it properly, do it correctly. And they're going on about the basics and the fundamentals of the game and all you want to do is a bicycle kick over someone's head or something. Yeah. Um, rather than just, you know, do things properly. Well, I think Mike Brable has taken that mentality to the nth degree. Yeah. To, I think it's the kind of coaching performance that, and it's no surprise that he comes to the Belichick stable. It's the ultimate Belichickian coaching experience because in Bill Belichick's head, he envisages a game where there's no penalties. Yeah. You manage the clock perfectly. Everyone plays hard. There are no unforced errors. And you force the opponent to make errors. And you just play the game right and limit the amount of opportunities they have to beat you. Yeah. And don't shoot yourself in the face. I think it also helped that, helps that Vrabel is a human being, unlike Bill Belichick as well. It, it does. He, he's very much kind of got all of that Belichickian stuff. But at mm. the same time, he's got that the thing that Bill doesn't have. Bill was never a player. Yeah. Bill was that, you know, in the 70s, Bill would have been like, when he was with the Colts, he would have been like the Mike McDaniels figure, the guy yeah. who's never played football, you know, but was just a nerd. And he yeah. was just a nerd. Yeah, definitely. So Vrabel's got that connection too. So he's equal parts Bill Belichick and a little bit of Dan Campbell. He's also terrifying. He is. He is. He has no neck. Um, but but he, he's so beloved by his players as well. Yeah. It just... No. Whatever they do, they they find ways of winning. They've had, they've got a ton of injuries on that team as well, and they're just still consistently good. They took the Chiefs, they took it to the Chiefs this week, like mm. you know, yeah. it wasn't pretty, but they they did cause the Chiefs a scare, like a serious scare as well. Yeah, they, yeah, I agree. They, they I, beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They just couldn't beat Pat Mahomes. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, more on Patrick Mahomes in a minute, maybe. Um, yeah, I um, yeah, no, I I, I agree. Vrabel is my choice as well for, for coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, defensive player of the year mm. of the half year, I suppose. Sorry, but yeah, I mean it's probably Micah Parsons. I think it is. Um, yeah. So, um, trench warfare guru Brandon Thorne tracks yeah. um sacks. But he doesn't just track raw sack numbers. Mm. He uses um, his evaluation of film to track quality of sack. Yeah. So, and what he means by that is he will grade them by our rare quality sacks, high quality sacks, low quality sacks, and cleanup sacks. So yeah. his definition of a high quality sack, sack is, is where the pass rusher beats the blocker in front of them mm. within like fewer than 2 point, I think it's 2.75 or 2.8 seconds and makes their way to the quarterback using their own physical yeah. skill. It's also graded for level of opponent. Micah Parsons is currently ranked 
second in that regard mm. in the NFL, only to Matthew Judon, mm. um, who currently also leads the NFL in sacks, mm. and he is having a stunning year. Who Matt um, Judon? He is. He's looking yes. very, very good. But um, I think you can arguably say that it's Micah Parsons. Mm. I think that there's very much a case for it. Um, there's nothing to say that you couldn't perhaps talk about Source in that conversation. I was thinking that as well. I think Source was my as other well. was my other choice. Yeah, just yeah. because of the impact he's had. Um, you could definitely say Aaron Donald, but I think that um, he's just having an Aaron Donald season. Yeah, that it, I mean, it is the defensive player of the year, not named Aaron Donald, isn't it? Uh, at the end of the day, but it's. But we need to throw him out. Yeah. So I, I do think for the moment it's Micah Parsons. I could easily see by year end that it would be Source Gardner or probably Matt Judon. Yeah, potentially Brian Burns as well. Let's throw his name into the mix as well. Who's on, on, a, on a yeah on a rubbish Brian team having a good season. I mean, no, absolutely, and. As he gets older, and mm. you've got to remember that Brian Burns is still in his mid-twenties, by the yeah. way. Yeah, it's bonkers. Um, yeah, he's like the Brandon Cooks of edge rushers. He mm. came to the league very young. Um, as he gets older, he gets stronger. Yeah. So Brian Burns was always very explosive and quick as an edge rusher. But the thing that when I was certainly sort of looking at him coming out was my concern was his play strength. His play strength mm. is perfectly sufficient, but he seems to be getting stronger. Yeah, as he enters the physical peak of his career, he he's now got this bull rush where he gets up into people's chests and walks tackles back as well, and I think that's why he's moving to that next into that next tier of pass rusher for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think you know Judon Burns. You can look at Parsons. I think probably Parsons. Derwin James is quietly having a very good year. He is on a terrible team again. So yeah. Again, on a terrible team, it's very, very easy to forget really good players on terrible mm. teams. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Simmons is playing very well this year too. Yeah, he's he's been outstanding. Yep, and he also is like the Brandon Cooks of defensive linemen. I think he's only like twenty six or something as well. Yeah. So you've got really encouraging to think of all these young players that are suddenly elevating their game to this kind of level. But um, I'd be willing to bet that by year end, it'll end up being Michael Parsons. And I do think that. I would give him the edge over Matt Judon because mm. I don't think you spend quite as much time game planning for Matt Judon as you do for Michael Parsons because you know where Matt Judon's coming from. Yeah. Time. Michael Parsons just seems to take so many different routes to the court. <coughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And, oh, the elephant in the room has some Reddick as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been outstanding. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's probably really Michael Parsons just about. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, throwing Nick Bosa's name as well by the end of the season, potentially. So. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, okay, uh, Offensive Player of the Year. You can have a quarterback or you can not have a quarterback. It's up to you. Oh. It's, it's, it's very difficult. Hmm. I mean, I've, I've got an answer. I can go with mine if you like the, first. The, the Offensive Player of the Year yeah, if if it's a non-quarterback, it's got to be Tyreek Hill. It has to be. Every week, he, he's my choice. By the way, every week, yeah, we have three or four. It feels like this year we're having three or four just unreal performances. So this week, Joe Mixon, for example, 
Just yeah. five touchdowns, absolutely bonkers. The previous week we had like the AJ Brown game, we had the Alvin Kamara game. And every week, whilst we're having these crazy performances from this rotational cast of players, every single week Tyreek Hill is also one of those players having an unreal, unreal game. Oh yes. <clears throat> to the point where I, I I liken it, and this is a weird comparison. I liken it to I played a drinking game with my mates when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a bottle of homemade, whatever it was, mixture of alcohol that Duncan had made up in a two liter bottle. And I was sitting oh, there no. with a two liter bottle playing this drinking oh, did Duncan, game. No, Duncan, Duncan made, Duncan, oh, you drank something <laughs> Duncan had made? It's a bad idea to start with. You're not wrong. Um, no, okay. But I realized I'd been playing it for like an hour and half this bottle had gone. And I looked around and realized that I was playing it with completely different people to the people I'd started playing with. That's I, I was the Tyreek Hill of that situation. If, if excellent performances was uh, going outside and finding somewhere quiet to throw up. Um, and okay. But it's, that is kind of, kind of getting there with this analogy, I suppose, which is that Tyreek Hill is there every single week for these amazing performances. And then you've got like Alvin Kamara, three touchdowns. You've got AJ Brown, three touchdowns, Joe Mixon, yeah. five touchdowns. And it's always, and there's also Tyreek Hill. He's been bonkers this year. Absolutely bonkers. He has. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's quite reassuring to see that you can separate Tyreek Hill and Pat Mahomes and both are still fine. Yeah. Yeah. As Much well. like Devonte Adams and, uh, oh no. no, you can't do that. No, no, that maybe appears. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've not been on the pod for a couple of weeks and I have been laughing my butt off. <laughs> he gets so angry. He does get so angry so and he funny. seems to blame everyone but himself. And sometimes it's not his fault, but a lot of the time, sometimes at least, it is his fault. And I, he can't I, seem to I see think it. The way, the way he handles it, even you know when he comes out with stuff like I've just got to play better. It sounds like mm. he doesn't really mean it. No. And what I thought was really, really refreshing from Josh Allen was, you know, um, what was his comment in the press conference? It, yeah, it's hard it, to it really call that like shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I can completely and totally get behind that. Yeah. Dude. And then it's like, dude, how many times have you been shit in the last three years? Yeah. Not many. Exactly. You get a pass this week, my friend. Okay. But four marks for like, holding yourself accountable in a way that sounds properly genuine and like you actually do think that it looks mean it i like it's, it it's great for team morale as well like the, the idea is that well he's out there and he knows he's got to do better so i've got to do better as well well yeah, yeah. and it is great so so i mean you know but i think if we were to pick like if it was a, if we had to pick it as mm. a quarterback It's probably. Oh god! So let's let's do MVP, really, shall we? As well, it's but... really boring. Yeah. yeah, let's do MVP. Okay, I mean, my MVP is Patrick Mahomes. It is until Josh Allen comes and takes it from him. Yes, yeah, I think, he is. I think Josh can. I don't know. I think Josh Allen is playing at the highest level Josh Allen's ever played at. But I still think Patrick Mahomes is slightly outplaying him. He's an absolute genius. He's unreal. He is, and not just that. He's his physical abilities. That run in the in the Titans yeah. game, the change of direction, 
There are running backs that would dream of that. Just... Yeah, we've become desensitized to him, I think. Yeah. Now, uh, it sounds strange that he's. he's that, that it, it sounds like we're talking like a Tom Brady. Yeah. Or an Aaron Rodgers, where you do become desensitized to how good they are. Yeah. But he's only been in the league for what? Five uh, seasons? Yeah, 2017, wasn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't play his first year. Yeah. We're already desensitized to his excellence. Yeah. Which I suppose is the ultimate praise, really, because we're desperately looking for someone else in our heads to put up as an MVP because we don't want it to sound so freaking obvious. I, I think, I think yeah. he, he's played more mistake-free football than Josh Allen has. Mm. I think Josh Allen's made some more wow plays than Patrick Mahomes, although, as you yeah. say, we, we're kind of desensitized to Patrick Mahomes' wow plays now. Well, yeah, we just expect it. I I think we only assume that that if if you are looking at it from the outside, you only assume Patrick Mahomes is playing out of his skin when you see left-handed passes or no-look passes or something. And when you actually dig into how well he's playing this year, yeah, with a completely different cast around him as well. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. His dancing partners are not glamorous dancing partners. No. I mean, apart from Kelsey, yeah, it's 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 just. It's it's just a great performance, um, and maybe Andy Reid deserves some loves as well because he's completely changed up how that offense looks, um, and it's really working for the for the Chiefs, who, who I think by the end of the season will be will probably be, if not the dominant team there. See, they will be definitely pushing the Bills, so long as Josh Allen stays healthy. Mm. But yeah, I, th- I I'm I I like. I think Patrick Mahomes is probably the MVP this year, so far. I would agree so far, definitely. Mm. I, I think he is. I think, you know, you can say Geno Smith because it feels good. I hope he gets a vote. He, and <laughs> I hope yeah. he gets votes yeah. and everything because it will be totally worth it. Or even if he just gets something else like comeback player of the yeah. year. But, but if you look at just... Even if you look at raw statistical numbers, he is just consistently great this year. Yeah. Doing consistently brilliantly. But all the things you want a quarterback to do with a a a weaker group of players. Yeah. You know, they've gone and got Kadarius Tony because Miko Hardman isn't a replacement for Tyreek Hill at all. No. Really. He's more like a you know Paris Campbell on nitrous oxide. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to describe him. Describe yeah. him. Yeah. But like, how many how many quarterbacks in the NFL who have have a perfect passer rating, throwing more than twenty yards downfield between the numbers? I think yeah. it's just Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and admittedly, it's helped by the likes of Travis Kelsey as well. But it is. But but when you're talking about like deep throws down the middle of the field to be five of six for 166 and a quarterback rate of 158.3 yeah you know that that, that's that's insane and like his under pressure numbers he's still an excellent under pressure thrower and just (laughs) he's so hard to get under pressure though like he just moves around so much exactly Mm. And, and it's not even like it, it, it's all these big wow chunk plays. I mean, yeah. most of his statistical production, the meat and potatoes of his statistical production is in that sort of 
0 to 15 yard range. Yeah. It's not like he is just chucking it deep. He is playing measured football and stringing together consistent, you know, quick game stuff as well. And it, it's like he's just doing it all well. His timing's so good as well. Like he's, he's just, his feel for pressure and then just completely changing his launch point and just mm. the timing in it is, is he's he's outstanding he is he's doing i think nearly everyone in the league if you started again and you said you could have any quarterback i would hope most most teams would pick patrick mahomes uh, he would be the number one overall pick in yeah. any draft yeah the current players definitely yeah so there we go halfway through the season that is a quick rundown of our awards so mm. that's nice Let's go on with the games then, shall we? The remaining yeah. games. We've already talked about the Falcons, Panthers. So we have four teams on a bye week this week. No Ravens, Bengals, mm. Patriots, or Jets. So 50% of the AFC North and 50% of the AFC East is not playing, which is an opportunity for the other teams to catch up. Uh, let's start, though, with the NFC South taking on the NFC West. The 6-3 mm. and three Seattle Seahawks travel to the 4-5 and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Geno Smith continues mm. to carve up teams in a very impressive manner with a surrounding cast that's looking very, very good. We've already talked about how much we like the tackles. Mm. Kenneth Walker looks excellent as well, and a defense that's holding their own. They're up against a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that at the end of the last game found a little bit of, spark, of a spark. The one thing I'll say about this Bucks team, as bad as they have been playing consistently, Tom Brady has still been playing very, very well. Uh, going into the last game, I haven't checked it recently, he was still second in the league for yards passing yards mm. um and you know take it or leave it as a stat it, it still shows that tom brady is still kind of tom brady and that was never more evident than the end of that rounds game um yeah seahawks could be going into a very different Tampa Bay buccaneers game here would you reckon though james the 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 problems the bucks have had if you were to to really boil it down very simplistically, yeah, to any one central cause, I've been banging on about it all year. It's the interior of the offensive line, one hundred percent, brand new interior of the offensive line. It it really has affected so much of the rhythm in the passing game. It it, it looks on some plays like Mike Evans and Tom Brady are just not on the same page, mm. and it isn't necessarily that. It's that the timing is off because of the pressure, yeah, in the pocket. Um, I think they're not as effective running the ball. Um, there's some questionable play calling. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to see them try and do a bit more in terms of mixing things up a bit. Um, they haven't really changed very much offensively. It, it's still that same offense, pretty much. Yeah. You know, it, it's the Arians vertical passing game, you know, and it's the same running game, pretty much. It's just that. The horses you have on the line and not the horses you had last year. And, and we all held that interior of that Bucks line in, in pretty high regard. Yeah. They were a very good group. It's a um, very good Seahawks secondary they're going up against as well in this one. Is it... it is, and it's mm. going to be an interesting matchup. So, um, fortunately, the Bucks have been throwing a few more screens this year than they, they have historically mm. as well. So they're giving Tom Brady some quick, easy completions as well to get things moving along and to alleviate yeah. some of the pressure. Um, 
but I the final drive accepted I, I didn't really see anything that, that that convinced me that they had quite found the answer I mean um, this this I would think, be a hell of a win yeah. if they got this one like th this would be the win you need to get to 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 say yeah it looks like it looks like we're back at least I mean to really dispel the doubts that people have about the offense mm. they need to psychologically they would need to get into a shootout and win it yeah to convince to convince me i would need to see them go toe to toe with the seahawks in a game where you know both teams score more than 30 points and, yeah. and they win um now tom brady is not completely at fault in the offense he, he is missing open throws he is missing things he's not seeing the whole field clearly a lot of that's mm. pressure um, but physically, he's still fine. We haven't yet seen the decline in, yeah. in, in, in his arm strength or his willingness to throw the ball downfield or his deep ball accuracy either. It's just you can't chuck it deep if you're getting the, having to get the ball out in 2.4 seconds. I think yeah. he, uh, I think up to last week, he had the shortest time to throw in the NFL at roughly 2.4. Um, I haven't got it in front of me, but it, it, that, that's quick. Yeah. That's quick. That That's like, you know. And I think it might be that until they can, they can adjust to the interior offensive line they have really properly, this will continue. So my concern is that if the Seahawks can find a way to score a certain amount of points, yeah, it will be challenging for them. Having said that, Seattle's pass rush is... Can you describe Seattle's pass rush in a word? Bland? Yeah. And that's Bland. exactly what it is. Yeah. So you are going to be reliant on sacks coming either from blitzes and pressure yeah. or coverage yeah and the thing is you can't always guarantee that you'll get a coverage sack no no as good as we, we discussed woolen's playing as well it, it's it's yeah. it's still i still constantly feel with the seahawks and this might be a little bit unfair that we are waiting for a team to just come in and just blow the doors off them like to, to to almost like find them out. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's going to happen because I think the more I look at it, I don't know whether Quandre Diggs is playing in this game actually, and, and he was out last week, wasn't he? But but they I say their secondary is looking decent at least. Yeah. Um. But is it decent enough against Tom Brady and? admittedly five teams have found a way to beat Tom Brady this year and, and the Bucks. So it's, it's one of those, this is a weird one because it, I, I get the feeling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are kind of a coiled spring at the moment. Yeah. Um, well, they need to uncoil themselves fast. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't think they're amazing right now. And it wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't surprise me if they continue to be bang average. But it, mm. it does feel like there is an opportunity at some point. That being said, South Seahawks are playing such good football at the moment. Like it's, 
on both sides of the ball, they're playing incredibly well. Geno Smith's been outstanding. And the the Bucks defense hasn't looked as good as it has in the past. No. Uh, Particularly against the run. Um, They're considerably uh, better at allowing rushing yards than they are gaining them. Let me put it that way. Um, And that could be a problem if, if you can get Kenneth Walker going in this one. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, it will stem from the running game and how yeah. much how much they can control. Um, I'm, I'm in a funny not, situation here with this one because let's not underestimate yeah. Todd Bowles, and let's not underestimate even though that defense is having a down year, it's still what you would call a good defense. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is a good defense, and I'm not I'm not as concerned about that side of the ball anyway because they have kept the Bucks in games. Yes, they have yeah. that offense as well. Um so it's fine in that in that regard. Um I think losing well Devin White's injured isn't he? No yeah. not Devin White, sorry. Um oh God Devontae David. Levante David. Yeah. That is huge. Yeah, I agree. I think there was the joke that was made. Um, you know, when I think it was Robert Mays and Nate Tice were talking about Roquan Smith going to Baltimore on the Athletic yeah. Football Show, and they said that that they saw that Roquan Smith's role was very similar to Levante David's. Yeah. In as much as Roquan Smith was going to Baltimore to basically tell Patrick Queen where to run. (laughs) Yes. And basically Levante David's role has been to do that for Devin White because Devin White, bless him, is is just this freak. But Devin White is very, um, he can be a loose cannon. (laughs) What's hilarious is Patrick Queen had his best game as soon as Roquan Smith got there. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think. It's it's interesting what losing him is going to do to that defense. Yeah. I, I I I can't help but wonder if over the course of the season it's going to be more of a mortal blow than we think. Mm. Um, for me the the Tampa Bay offense has to get going this week. Yeah. It must get going yeah. this week because if they can establish Kenneth Walker on the ground, then Seattle can can win this. Yeah, I agree. Surprisingly easily. Let's let's get some scores then. I mean, I, I'm I'm still conflicted on this one. I, I feel like I've got to go with the hot hand though, <laughs> which is like I mean, if a team is is coming to this one having won six games against a team that's mm. lost five games, I'm probably going to pick that team. Mm. I just still don't 100% trust the Seattle Seahawks, and I think it might be a personal thing more than anything. It's very hard to buy into a sudden turnaround like that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I just think it's feel like keep feeling it's going to collapse at some point, but mm. there's no evidence that it will. Um, no, there is there is no evidence that it will actually. I'm going to go Seahawks. Uh, Twenty-one seventeen. I don't feel great about it. I don't like the matchup for the Bucks. I, I I'm going Seahawks mm. as well. Uh, Twenty-four fourteen. Yeah. Could be a good game though. It, sh- it should be a good game, yeah. yes. Um, next up, 
speaking of good games, this is probably game of the week. Vikings at Bills. Even mm. if Josh Allen's not playing, I think this is a fun game. Case Keenum gets to play the Vikings. Team that saw him shot to fame with a last second touchdown against the Saints in the playoffs. Um, yes. And that was a pass made to Stephon Diggs, which is a player that if he is playing, he might get a chance to pass to in this one as well. The, yeah, I, th- I think... My thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings have consistently been that I'm not sure what they are, and I think the answer is that they are a good team. The more I look at this offense, the more I see how many different ways they find ways to win, even against bad teams like the Commanders. Yeah. I am more confident. The defense looks good. The defensive line particularly looks good. Likes of Deron mm. Payne and Jonathan Allen, I think, are having a good season. And the, they're mm. up against a Buffalo Bills team that even if Josh Allen plays, he's playing, he's playing with an injury on his throwing arm which is problematic. The Bills are a talented roster, and we've said this all along, and now they need the roster to kind of carry Josh Allen rather than the other way around. How do we see this one going? What do you reckon, James? Well, if it's predicated on that... Mm. So, so okay, first of all, the status, the last thing I saw, the status of Josh Allen's um, UCL injury, mm. um, when asked if he was going to play, yeah, they just said, We'll see. Mm, it's not good. So, so Which I mean, not great. It's not great, and it also means we probably won't know till game day as well. So, if this injury mm. is, um, and it is to his, if it is to his throwing arm, obviously, yeah, it's, it's an issue. An arm injury to your throwing arm is not is not good. Yeah. Okay. He's already had one game where he's been less than great, mm. and clearly he was playing through it. Yeah. Um, if he is not good to go and not of full strength and can't start, I think you start to see some weaknesses with yeah. Bills because they start to have to rely on things that have not been the central pillars of their offense. Mm. So on our Discord chat, come yeah. join us. Um, yeah, nice one, James. That yeah. sounded creepy, didn't it? Um, Come join us. <laughs> Come join us. Um, or die. Um, <laughs> or just come join us. You know, it's fine. <laughs> Will alluded to yeah. how the Bills' pass protection ain't that great. No. And we knew it's that not. coming into the season. And it's not. No. And I think when you've got someone like Josh Allen in the pocket, his his mobility, his ability to improvise, the way he can throw from his size as well, angles, and his sheer size. Yeah. The fact that edge rushers are the same size as him. Yeah. Um, it, it mitigates an awful lot of that. So they're not a great pass protecting offensive line in and of themselves, but it's adequate for the quarterback they have. It's fine. Um, but if you stick Case Keenum behind that, that line, I would describe Case Keenum in the following way yeah case keenum if baker mayfield plays like basically current baker mayfield is rookie baker mayfield 10 beers in (laughs) yeah right case keenum is baker mayfield two or three beers in (laughs) Yeah, but they yeah. have the same, the same problems with their game. Yeah, they have 
a lack of confidence of protection in front of them that causes them to play fast and make poor decisions. Tick. Yeah. They have a, they feel the need to play hero ball far too often. Tick. Yeah. And they also have a slightly elevated overconfidence in their arm. Yeah. Tick. So they're kind of the same guy, only obviously case is two or three beers in. Baker is absolutely battered thrown over a bus stop. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the problem is that if you if 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 he tries to play the way Josh Allen plays, it's going to be eight picks. And, and yeah. they're gonna get absolutely demolished. The other problem is that they're gonna to have to rely on their running game. <clears throat> yeah. Which, which has is been more of a complimentary piece. So, so I, I wonder if if Case Keenan plays, if all of a sudden, <laughs> the if the Bills are to win any games with Case Keenum, then you just change. You, they've got to change how they win the games. It becomes less yeah. about the vertical threat of of Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. Uh, it becomes more about the uh, let's get a first down. Okay, so luckily they picked yeah. up Naeem Hines, who has consistently been the nearly guy on the Colts. The guy that's eventually he's going to get it eventually and when he does naeem hines oh he's going to go crazy um he has an opportunity to actually do that now um and yeah the offensive line's bad but you you mitigate that by getting the ball out incredibly quickly you run a ton of screens you start using dawson knox as an actual receiving threat yeah um and you just move the ball slowly downfield and this is the vikings and as High octane as their offense is at the moment, it's still not the Chiefs, if that makes any sense. You can still win games no. by slowing them down on, de- on on your defense and just grinding your way to the end zone. It becomes about how good this Bills coaching staff actually is. And we get to mm. find that out this week, I think. Either way, whether, whether Josh Allen plays or not, he is playing hurt in a way that drastically affects how he throws the ball yeah either way i think they need to change what they're going to do this week i th- I, I would yeah. like to think the buffalo bills have kind of scrapped the usual game plan <laughs> and just gone yeah. we don't want josh hurting himself further we want to make this as easy as possible for him what that means is they're going to have to try and run the ball they're going to have to mm. attempt shorter passes they're going to have to just yeah. constantly move the chains and if it's case keenum yeah. you can't even rely on josh allen's god-given talent of just being right. able to run for a first down as well it's it's significantly more difficult but i think if they were going up against 20 teams in the league that i'd say they'd still probably win just oh. so happens this isn't one of those teams there is a another glaring two meter wide exhaust port for this offense. Um, yeah. When you look at target share for offenses in the passing game, you normally find that most successful offenses, and this is where the Bills are an outlier. Yeah. Most successful offense have a a a relatively healthy percentage of targets to running backs. Yeah. So, 
total targets for the Bills this year, 298 targets. So 298 mm. pass attempts, okay? 298 targets. 50 have been to running backs. Wow. 50. 50. Devin Singletary has 30. Yeah. James Cook, the guy they drafted to be a pass-catching back, yeah. has 12. Naeem Hines has one. But he's only been there again one game. So but yeah, yeah, but that's fine. And then Zach Moss has seven. Yeah, and it's and like he's, he's gone now. So, so yeah, and that is really jarring. Just if you look at that plus the target share of Dawson Knox, an incredible target share goes purely two wide receivers. Yeah, and and and, and three wide receivers. You, yeah, you don't normally see that. That, that no. so, and that's all. That's the problem is that when you've got a guy like Case Keenum or even an unhealthy Josh Allen, mm. the reality is that you are probably going to have to throw a few more check downs, a few more screen passes, and a few more 100%. short throws to running backs. But they've not been able to settle on guys. They've not been able to get Devin Singletary to be that guy. James Cook hasn't become that guy, nor has Zach Moss. And they've gone and got Naeem Hines because they're desperate to find someone to do that. Yeah. And I am worried that, you know, I'm worried about how much the Vikings feel they'll probably be able to sit in man in this one as well. Comfortably. Mm. Like Patrick Peterson's been doing that a lot this season anyway. Mm. Um, and I think if Patrick Peterson's like, well, chances are if, if I stick to Stefan Diggs, chances of them actually throwing to me are fairly slim anyway. And that leaves some fewer opportunities for mismatches for the for the Buffalo Bills. I think they're going to have to be incredibly clever in this one. And it's, it's not that I don't think they can do it, because I definitely do, because I think this coaching staff is one of the best in the league. Yeah, It's just that the quality of opponent this week, I think, might be a bit too much if you take out um, an MVP caliber quarterback from the roster. But this is where I crank up the engine on the however bus. Yes, do it. And drive it from around the corner and park it out front. Yeah. And on the however bus, when I yeah. open the door, two people step off straight away. Yeah. Greg Russo and Von Miller. Ah, that's you see, there we go. The the right off the bus. Okay. Yeah. However <laughs> the <laughs> the um another however bus. The Vikings okay, tackles are playing really well this year. They absolutely are, and Christian Darrisaw is is yeah. is is fulfilling on the promise um, that others saw in him. I didn't. I got I got quite annoyed watching Christian Darrisaw because I could see the player as a college prospect, but mm. I saw limited effort yeah. in him for some games. It seemed that he always did the Pittsburgh Steelers thing of playing down to his level of opponent and sometimes whiffing. Mm. But um, I'm really happy to see that he has become a very fine tackle. Yeah. It's not so much from the perspective of how the tackles handle it. It's about what kind the way that Buffalo are already able to get pressure against good offensive lines with just rushing for. Mm. And if you have two pass rushers that are performing at the level that Greg Rousseau and Von Miller are performing at. Yeah. We know that Kirk Cousins under pressure is the is just it's it's comical 
to watch him sometimes under pressure. He mm. crumpled. It's like you used to watch Tom Brady getting sacked and you would laugh. Well, Kirk does that before he's sacked. Yeah. He flails and starts crying and sobbing, which is odd. Um, <laughs> you know, and he is very much affected by pressure as a quarterback. He, yeah. he is not someone, he doesn't like it up him to quote dad's army. Mm. Um, and if you can get him uncomfortable, you can force him to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, that's going to be one key for them. They do really, really also need to deal with the Vikings running game though. Yeah. It's imperative. They shut that down. Um, and the battle between um, Justin Jefferson and that coverage unit is going to be interesting. And also how TJ Hawkinson continues to expand his role too. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting wrinkle that teams haven't yet had to experience. I think Buffalo might experience it in full this week. They might be forced to deal with him as more of a target downfield. Yeah, as good as Buffalo's linebackers are, if they are one-on-one with TJ Hawkinson, that's a different prospect. Mm, um, it, 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 yeah, that's that's not necessarily great. But once again, it's another confusing game that I don't particularly have a good feel on how I see it going. No, I think potentially a Josh Allen injury, one way or another, might be a bit much for the Bills to deal with a very hot Vikings team right now. Mm. I'm gonna go for the Vikings. I do not feel remotely good about it though. Um, 24, I meant to 24 last time. Let's, let's do low scoring then 17 to 14 to the Vikings. They keep rolling. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? I don't like how this coverage unit matches up. Mm. Um, the Buffalo coverage unit matches up. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into it. No, I like Matt Milano. I like Tremaine Evans. They're okay players. They're pretty good. Um, it could be a big TJ Hawkinson game. Yeah. And if they can get Dalvin Cook and Alexander Matheson moving, this yeah. could be a long one. This could be interesting. Like at the end of the I, Washington game, Dalvin Cook was just a monster in the receiving game. So, yeah. Yes. And if you, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. I, I saw the throw and catch and I was like, well, where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I haven't seen Dalvin Cook do that ever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel similarly, actually. I'm going to stick my neck on the line as well. I'm going mm. to go Vikings. Um, yeah. uh, slightly higher scoring, 24 21 in overtime. I hope that's the game. Um, okay, then. Next up, uh, it's another one I'm not sure about. We've got the Lions at Bears, the Detroit oh. Lions beat the Green Bay Packers. Well, they sat there as the Green Bay Packers helped beat themselves, really, if I'm honest. But yeah, the Lions took full that. advantage of that. Uh, they're up against the Chicago Bears <laughs> team that has lost the last two games. However, Justin Fields is looking a lot better than I think we expected him to look. Um, that's me being conservative about it. I am excited, but I can't bring myself to get too excited about it yet. Um, Lions at Bears. What do you reckon, James? Well, this could this could be, look like this could end up, you know, in one, in in some senses having like a stat line from like nineteen eighty six. I mean, you know, it, it it very much depends on how it all goes. I think 
the Lions won last week. Yeah. You did kind of hit the nail on the head. The Packers did keep shooting themselves in the face. Absolutely. And for long stretches of that game, the Lions didn't deserve to win it either. No. There's very little scoring going on in the first half of that game. There was not a lot of good offensive football happening. No. Not at all. Um, it was a difficult watch, if I'm brutally honest. Yeah. And I'm still not sold. I think uh, the Lions flattered to deceive. We were so caught up in how horrendously badly Aaron Rodgers played um, and how bad that whole offense was. And I can't yeah. laugh when I say it. Um, um, at one point, I did Google if it was possible to laugh oneself to death. <laughs> um, it turns out it is. So it I'll is. Quite stop quite quickly. Yeah. But um, we're a few losses away from I, that, though. I think <laughs> we 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 are kind of getting a sense of what Chicago are, and that offense hmm. is very much built on running the ball. Yeah, in a variety of ways. So you've got Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery. Yeah, you've got the quarterback running game, and then yeah. a game plan that normally that just basically involves for the moment Justin Fields throwing the ball. 20 to 25 times a game yeah, and relying on him just basically having enough of an explosive passing game to complement the running game and it, and it seems to be working for him yeah. I'm seeing the confidence level building it's not perfect no. it's not wonderful but it's going the right way and he does scare people now he's scaring people I, 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 I look at it like this um this is what we hoped for as, as Bears fans. Yeah. This is what we hoped for this season. We knew that, that we were going to be a bad team. We yeah. need to come out this season feeling that Justin Fields can be the quarterback of the future. I think we are definitely getting there after the last few games. Um, do, do I think this is a s- sustainable offense? Uh, I don't know. I, I think this is a great way to get through this season and highlight yeah, what Justin it. Fields is good at. Um. If your receivers generally involve throwing the ball on fourth down to Equinamia St. Brown and watching him drop the ball continually, then then I think I would rather see Justin Fields try and run for the first down more often than not. Um, yeah. I think as soon as you can get some decent weapons in there, and I think even this week, Chase Claypool coming in has yeah. definitely improved this Bears passing game. Hmm. Then I, th- I think that we can carry on building on this. And as long as we can just not get Justin Fields killed and accept the fact that we might lose many games, 35 to 32, and it's perfectly fine this season, as long as we yeah, don't continue fine. to do it next season, then I, th- I mean, anyone would think the bears won this game this week, the, how happy they are about how well Justin Fields played. Um, it just feels yeah. better. It does. So, it do- yeah. Yeah. It just feels better. And and one of the reasons it feels better is just because his overall accuracy yeah. is improving. Yeah. As he becomes more comfortable. His feel for the so, game's improving as well. Like it's yeah. it's yeah. He, his feel for pressure, which was non existent at the start of this season, yeah. is definitely getting better. And his his ability to figure out where he's got to more often than not pressure comes in he's going to run for it but yeah he does at least now know where to run and he's not running yeah. into defensive ends um and i think 
Luke Getzey deserves a nod for just completely changing up the game plan on how they were going to operate this offense. Yeah. Which doesn't happen on every team. Uh, and it doesn't happen on the Chicago Bears historically. So, so the fact that they, they've done this is a massive improvement on any of the previous Bears regimes. So, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm excited because I, I think he does look way more comfortable in the pocket now than, than he ever has. Mm. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to overthrow players. He's going to underthrow players as well. But that's the nature of someone as frenetic as Justin Fields, basically, I think. so. I mean, there are quarterbacks in the league that yeah. have like a high pressure to set percentage yeah. that are still good quarterbacks. Yeah. So, um, Joe Burrow, yeah, his pressure to sack percentage is something like twenty five percent. Actually, it's quite high. Yeah, um, and Justin Fields is a, is is in that same twenty five to twenty six percent range. Yeah, um, and I think that's who he will always be. I don't know that he's necessarily got the um, at this moment in time has quite the pocket movement, the ability to navigate a pocket. Hmm. Um, I think Joe Burrow, the reason it happens to Joe Burrow is just because Joe Burrow believes that he can make stuff happen yeah. just a beat longer, just a beat longer. Whereas I think Justin Fields, it's more a case of him getting acclimatized to NFL pockets still. Yeah, I agree. But that, that, that pressure to sack percentage is dropping week on week. Yeah. And you see it as well in games. It, it It's better. It's easier for him. And they're getting him to throw on the move, moving yeah. the launch point, all that good stuff that, you know, Matt Nagy started doing with Mitch Trubisky and then just for some reason got away from Bonkers. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, and you're absolutely right. Chase Claypool, not Les Claypool, the basis yeah. from Black Prime. <laughs> Chase Claypool. Yeah. Um, this will, again, like Hawkinson, it'll be the week mm. where we really see what part he's going to play and how effective and useful he's going to be because he only had two targets last week for yeah. 13 yards, but he did also have a pass appearance penalty that picked up a big chunk of yardage. It'll be really interesting to see how he fits in and yeah. what impact that has on Darnell Mooney as well, who I think they could be interesting falls for one another and yeah. they could be mutually beneficial for one another. I I, I think this is the future <laughs> number two and number three receiver for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. I think that there's, there has to be a move next one. season. Hmm? You've got to go get a number one. Yeah. Next year, you're going to have to get a tackle. Uh, yeah. Got to happen. happen. Braxton Jones has been Marvin all right. Yeah, yeah, he's been all right, but you need yeah. to get a proper tackle. No, yeah. And then in 2024, go get Marvin Harrison Jr. Just go get him. Don't get anybody else. There's yeah. no other receiver in college football anywhere near as good as Marvin no. Harrison Jr. No, Jalen Hyatt's great. Jalen Hyatt's good. Garvin TCU is pretty good too. But Marvin mm. Harrison Jr. is the absolute don. Just get him. Wait yeah. two years. Suck for two years and then just get him and win. He'll, anyway, he'll want to go uh, play for his dad, the head coach of the uh, Indianapolis Colts by that point though, won't he? Brilliant. Amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> So Lions at Bears, how, I mean, how do we see this one going? I, I'm a bit conf confuddled by this one as well. So I don't think um, it, it's very weird. It depends mm. on who can establish the run yeah, and who can establish the passing game off of the run. So the Lions can establish that play-action game yeah. um, properly. Against a weak Bears defense. You get into a well. shootout, their chances of winning are actually smaller. Yeah. If they can establish the play-action game and just keep the game steady and keep the ball ticking and play small ball and keep the ball out of Justin Fields' hands, they have a better chance. Yeah. Um, it's whoever could shorten the game that's probably going to win it, though. I just have a bit more faith in 
I have more faith in the Bears when things are imperfect. Yeah. The Lions offense has to operate in a perfect world. Yeah. Because their players are, and it's awful to say this, not very good. It certainly feels that way. Um, yeah. When the question I have to ask is about the Lions, the same <laughs> as the Texans. When are we going to start seeing improvements? Like, this is a rebuild. I know it's a long rebuild. But you would hope year on year they start improving. The Detroit Lions are missing one of two things on offense. Mm. They Not have a blue chip. They yeah. have potential blue chip offensive line. Yeah. Penny Saul has been a very good right guard, particularly yeah. in the run, right tackle, particularly in the run game. Let's not lose that. But they are missing a wide receiver, a legitimate number one. Hmm. I mean, Amon Ra has been very good, obviously. So, Yeah, but I group Amon Ra in that same group of players as I would group um, Michael Pittman. Oh, really? I think they are, they are players that, well, I think he's been more productive than Pittman, but in terms of their ceiling, I think they are players that project to be excellent. Yeah. Number two threats um, who can be elevated by the presence of an X. I think if they both played on a team where they had a legitimate number one receiver at the boundary, it would dramatically improve their careers. Yeah. Um. So, fun fact though, the Lions, if they win and the, the Packers lose, the Lions can go ahead of the Packers this week. Oh, Bears go down to number four, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I think that, that the Lions are also obviously missing a quarterback. I, yep. I don't think Jared Goff is the answer. No, no, nor do I. No. I, I think no. if it, I mean, I have more confidence in the Bears, I'm going for a Bears win. Um, I am too. I don't love it. And I think it'll be high scoring because Bears games tend to be at the moment. So let's go 31 to 24 to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I'm going to go 20 to 14 to the Bears. Love it. Cool. I could see it going either way, though. It's a weird one. Mm. Uh, much like this next game between Juggernauts, Jags at Chiefs. <laughs> um. You really could see this going either way? No, I'm playing. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence yes. is playing better football than he has done so far this season. Too. I do too. And... I, think, I think people who are saying that he isn't showing the improvement hmm. and he's a bust are... need to adjust their eyes yeah. a little bit. They need to adjust their expectation a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought he played quite well this week. So, uh, And Travis Etienne is... is... I think a next level running back. I think he is incredible. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Urban yeah. Meyer knew that's. <laughs> Urban Meyer knew he was a wide receiver from the moment he met him. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, when he wants to see Kadarius Tony instead. Um, yeah, great. Speaking of which, the Chiefs coming to this one. I think looking, looking the best they've looked so far this season in general. I think they are getting better as the season goes on. Um. I think the Jags are at least a couple of years away from even challenging the Chiefs in a game like this, barring some some freak results. Uh, I think the Chiefs are still about as dominant as they've ever been, despite deficiencies compared to previous seasons. And I think that as good as I think I like 
as as much as I like seeing the Jags performing the way they're performing at the moment, I think the Chiefs just are just a different class. Um, I personally yes. think the Chiefs are probably going to dominate this one. But the Jags could yeah. get sneaky with it. I think the, the early successes and perceived successes of the Jags mm. it is all about, oh, new scheme. Oh, people aren't ready for this. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 shock, surprise. And then it was kind of leveling off. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing now is where they probably really truly are. Yeah. We don't, we shouldn't panic. We should still remember that while Trevor Lawrence's situation is better than last year, it's not a good situation. No, no, it's not. They've they've come a from offensive line. a dreadful situation. And yeah, as you say, it's improved, but it's still not perfect yet. It's not very good at all. I think no. you, you would struggle to find very many quarterbacks that would play at a very good level yeah. with that level of talent around them. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also think it's not fair to judge Doug Peterson either. I think the roster is not fit to deliver 10 wins. Well, the offensive line's not very good. The skills players aren't very good. The good thing he's got with that is that he's got an incredibly patient head coach, historically. Yes. And I still see the odd thing that worries me about Trevor, whereby, yeah. you know, the hero ball thing and the, the desperate need to prove himself sometimes, and sometimes he just needs to check it down or throw it away. But that will get beaten out of him, literally. Um <laughs> Um, but I'm seeing incremental year-on-year improvement. It's just not as fast as maybe other quarterbacks we've seen. Yeah. No one's Joe Burrow. Yeah, no I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? That. Okay. And we shouldn't expect it of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence's improvement has been linear, just a bit slower. Yeah. It's fine. If we are still seeing this next year, then we worry. And I think there's a the difference between what be the Jags doing, what the Lions are doing. The, the Jags are improving year-on-year. Even yes. if that's compared to rock bottom last year. Yeah. Um, I just think the Chiefs will, will dominate this one. I don't think this is a great game for the Jags this week. So. No, yeah. and we shouldn't spend all that much time on it, to be brutally honest. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, um, I'm going to go. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's just going to be really interesting to see how they sprinkle in Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. But yes. Uh, I'm going Chiefs uh, 41, Jags 21. Yeah, I'm going to go 38-17. Right. Speaking of games we probably shouldn't spend an absolute age on, Browns at Dolphins. Cleveland Browns Mm. um, have been treading water, waiting for their shiny new quarterback to come in. Mm. Whatever you feel about that. At least he's... uh, I mean... but just not on one or wonderful, really, is it? It was a bye week for the Cleveland Browns last week. They're up against a Miami Dolphins team that is absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, that being said, it is very possible to run on the Miami Dolphins. And the mm. Cleveland Browns are very good at running the ball. What do you think about this one, James? It's going to be fascinating. Yeah. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. I think um, for all their struggles, the Cleveland Browns offensive line is still a very good offensive line, particularly yep. blocking in the run game. I think having Chubb and Hunt healthy is key. Um, and the team that can, again, I've said this a few times this week, establish the run and establish it good 
is going to win. My concern mm. about the Dolphins doing that is the fact that um, it's still not a great unit. But having said that, the Cleveland Browns' run defense has been absolutely porous too. Yeah. Now, for me, where it gets really, really tasty mm. is the Browns' coverage unit. Yeah. Has been putrid. Yeah. I mean, not great at all. Yeah. And this feels like a buzzsaw. It really does. This Dolphins For me, team, it does. It feels like a buzzsaw. The, the separation their receivers are getting against yeah. this Browns secondary doesn't, mm. doesn't feel great. No. So, chorus run defense mm. versus head coach who historically has been part of creating some of the most creative running games in recent NFL history. Yes, very true. Um, a coverage unit that has to deal with Jalen Waddle, Mike Gesicki, and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And a Tua Tungavailoa who has discovered his confidence as a quarterback and is yeah. currently hot. Um, this feels like actually this could be very one-sided. You might, I you mean... Can, you yeah. swayed me. I, I thought this was. I, I had this as closer, but I think you're probably right. You 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 can say Miles Garrett, mm. but if you subtract Miles Garrett from that defensive line, what do they really have? And what's one thing that Mike McDaniel will be good at in this? Just negating the ability Mike. Uh, I mean, Miles Garrett has at getting to the quarterback. Yeah. And if he can do that, then there really isn't much on the Browns' defense that can worry the Dolphins, I don't think. I am adamant that this is, you know, you're on paper. Mm. Oh, I'm not sure the Browns are quite good, really. Oh, I'm not sure that the Dolphins might not be as good as we think. But then if you look at the, the key matchups, this is one of those games where at the end of it, if Miami win by a big margin, you can look back and go, actually, I'm surprised I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. The, the weaknesses on, on the Browns match up horribly for them against uh, the Dolphins' strengths. Yeah. yeah. I, you swayed me. Spot on. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm with you, James. I'm, I'm, I'm that. I didn't. <clears throat> I took a step back and, and, and yeah, I, I, th I think you're probably right on this one. I'm going to go for Miami Dolphins win then. Yeah. Um, there is no however bus either. No, I th I think I think this is just going to be. I mean, I kind of was heading that way anyway, but um, <laughs> but yeah, Miami Dolphins. Let's go thirty-one to seventeen to the Dolphins. Where are you, James? Dolphins thirty-eight, Browns ten. Thirty-eight, ten. Wow. Mm, I think they're going to get slapped. Yeah, you might be right. You know, <clears throat> probably don't need to spend too long on this one. Uh, Texans at Giants. Texans are one six and one against the New York Giants team that's six and two. Hang on one second. What? No, it's not happening, Cat. Um, Texans are one six and one against the New York Giants team that's six and two. The Giants are a surprise package this year, and the Texans are exactly the team I think we all thought they were going to be. Hmm. Um. I do, once again, it's like the Seahawks. I think the Giants bubble might burst at some point. There might be the odd game where we don't really see see it coming. Do you get the feeling the Giants bubble is going to burst at some point? 
I, I don't, maybe not. Maybe this is it. This team just, they're getting so much out of a team that I think we all thought were going to be disappointing this year. And I, I don't know when the Houston Texans are going to actually look at trying to improve what they've got. Admittedly, they picked up some good players in the draft, but it just feels like they're treading water. I can't see how they can compete against this Giants team. Would you reckon though, James? They just don't have any healthy wide receivers right now. No, that doesn't help, does it? So no Nico Collins, um, who is basically their leading receiver. Hmm. Um, Brandon Cooks is questionable. And then once you get past them, hmm. it's Philip Dorsett and some guys. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah, so Dorsett's been playing quite well as well. He um, has. Um, he has, finally. Hmm. <laughs> A bit late. Yeah, um, it really is. But at the same time, hmm. the offense is hamstrung again. Damien Pierce is the one bright point there. Yeah. And I just don't see there's anything that the Texans have that can hang with this Giants team. Yeah. No, so I can't see. The bubble's going to burst. It's not bursting this week. No, exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it will be in the playoffs against a good team. Um, yeah. I. I Maybe not as well. Like Andrew Thomas is playing incredibly well. The offensive line in general is looking good. Saquon Barkley's playing some great football. And a group of no-name receivers just seem to get open for Daniel Jones. So so maybe I've got this completely wrong. The defense is looking reasonably good as well. Just the yep. Texans don't have anything on either side of the ball, I think, to worry the Giants at the moment. No, they so. just don't. Um, so, I mean, I think we should just get some scores. get some scores for this one. What do you reckon? Um, so Giants 21, Texans 3. Yeah, I'm going to go Giants as well. 21-3 um, sounds really good. I'll, I'll, I will change it slightly. Let's give them a, let's give Texans a touchdown. Let's go 24-7. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a very good point. But that's fine. You do you. <laughs> Next up, we have New Orleans Saints against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think either are in a situation where they're playing their best quarterback or oh. the quarterback they'd like to be playing at least. Um, but there are some bright spots on both these teams. Alvin Kamara's looked fantastic for the Saints with the Steelers. Yep. Their wide receiving group still looks good. I mean, that's about all I've got really at the moment. Um, I think the Saints are probably the more complete team. I do wonder where the Steelers' wins are going to come from. Uh, what do you reckon though? It, it, it's it, it's difficult with um, the offensive line that the Steelers have to, to give Kenny Pickett what he needs to be successful. It's very difficult indeed. Um, I do just think that this offense is probably not going to find its feet yeah. in the next three or four weeks just in general. Um, and my concern is that if if they can't find a way to mitigate the offensive line's problems, Pickett may start to regress. Yeah. That's my concern. Because at the moment, he is not really progressing, should we say. They're not putting him in a position to win. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's hampering him greatly. It is, yeah. I, I just... He wasn't the complete package coming out no. of college. So you really need to treat him carefully 
and I don't feel like the Steelers are. Um, no, no. It felt like an afterthought when they drafted him anyway, mm. more than like um, a, a planned pick. It felt like, well, he's here, let's get him. Um, but I think there needs to be a specific plan on how you're going to handle having him in there. And I don't think they've got anything in place that's going to do the right job. I kind of agree that I'm worried that they are going to hurt his chances at actually becoming a significant starter at some point. Mm. Um, They've subtracted Chase Claypool from the mix as well. Yeah. And while Chase Claypool wasn't a world beater, his group has got worse. Yeah, it has, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great way of putting it. I say I think the Saints just have too much against the Steelers um, in terms of Andy Dalton's not playing. I mean, he's playing better than he usually does, but it's not playing <laughs> just next level football. He's playing probably well enough with the surrounding cast um, to to probably beat the Steelers, I'd say. I think the Saints are in a reasonable situation. Saints are in the same situation they are every year now because they can't get themselves out of it because they never have any actual cap space. <laughs> uh, and they're up against a Steelers team that is just in the middle of something, I think. It's probably the nicest way of describing it. Yes. Uh, I would probably take the Saints in this situation. I would too. I think um, what Andy Dalton's managed to be able to do is to yeah. play not mistake-free football, but mistake-reduced football. That's a great <laughs> way of putting it. I love that. So, you know, it, he is still Andy Dalton. And, yeah. and like, not Bill Lazor, Andy Dalton. Mm. It's just Andy Dalton now. Um, He's more so confident, he, Andy Dalton. The beard has helped. It, it's helped him. He, <laughs> yeah. he is making fewer mistakes. Yeah. However, he is still Andy Dalton stylistically as well. He's not going to stretch the field he's not going to test you downfield too often and he'll do it selectively and he'll win at that sort of short mm. intermediate passing game mostly sort of in the middle of the field so yeah. he's quite limited in that sense but you know what you get but 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 he is playing he, he is being pretty okay Andy Dalton he is in that tier below Kirk Cousins I've got a I've got a weird outlier stat by the way just while we're on the subject of this game go for it um, in their last 190 pass attempts mm. with Andy Dalton at quarterback, how many screens do you think they've thrown? Hmm. Guess at what you think would be a reasonable amount of normal pass how, how, how many pass attempts? In 190 pass attempts, yeah. considering you've got Alvin Kamara, how many screens do you think they've thrown? 190... Alvin Kamara, so you'd think it's probably going to be quite high. Like 30 or 40? Wrong. 10. 10? What? 10. They have 70 yards on screens. They are 7 for 10. 7 for 10 on screens. So three of them have been incomplete. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, (laughs) 70% on screens is not great. Yeah. Um, But 79 yards, just the one touchdown in the last 190 pass attempts. Whoa, that's oh my god, okay, that's not great. Do you is know it? what? I would be spamming that easy button, yeah, every game. I'd be you... pulling 10 screens a game, yeah, definitely. You've got Alvin Kamara, he 
if you get him going, then he's going to make your the game. They're going to load the box, and like you're just going to make your life easier in the long run for so, yeah. all those drop passes from the receivers that that don't seem to ever want to try and catch the ball for the Saints. Yeah, the the, the receiver situation is not great either. You would think that Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas mm. would fix the problem, but the best ability you have as a player is availability. Cliche. Um, also, just for me, one quick thing also while yeah. we're on it here. Are we starting to wonder if Michael Thomas will ever play a full season ever again? It's been so long now, hasn't it? It has. This yeah. has been lingering. Yeah. This is not great. This is a, this is kind of sad now. It is. This is upsetting. And it's a real shame because... Because I'm a fan. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to put a Debbie Downer on that. No, that's but fine, that's should fine. We just, should we just go to the real positive and get the scores? Yeah, so I mean, I think the Saints win this one. I think I think this is a... I wonder where the Steelers' wins are going to come from now. Mm. There'll be weird ones, I think. Yeah, I think I think they will be. This could be one of them. I mean, Mike nah. Tomlin's a hell of a coach, but but if he hasn't got the pieces, then what's he supposed to do? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm going to go Saints. Not too high scoring. I'm going to go 21 to 10 to the Saints. Reckon. 24 17. Nice. Next up. Okay. Next up, we have Broncos Titans. Oh, offensive explosion. <laughs> Broncos last game was in London, right? I'm not making that up. They yeah, did play last yeah, week and I just completely miss it. London. Yeah. No, it was London. Yeah. When uh, they won, they won a game, which is nice. Um, looked slightly more functional in the second half than they did the first. It felt like there was just like a concerted effort to change how they played the game. Yes. In the second half of that game, uh, Greg Dulcich seems like mm-hmm. a, bit, a massive part of that. They're up against a Tennessee Titans team that is just out kicking their coverage in terms of how good they are at the moment. They are playing better than I think anyone expected them to. Every mm-hmm. year we write them off because they seem to make weird moves in the offseason. And every year they come back and they look pretty damn good. The Broncos are the opposite of this. In the offseason, we expected them to really set the league on fire. And with Nathaniel Hackett, with Russell Wilson, with an excellent defense, well, at least one of the things is right. I think you're right, though. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. How do you see it going? I see it going that um, the Broncos turn up off of the bye week feeling really, really good about Hmm. some of the tweaks they've made to their offensive game plan. And it all explodes because <laughs> the Titans are ready. Um, the Titans are going to play them tough. They're going to play them hard. They are going to stand for no nonsense. And mm. the Broncos running game is not the same without Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I think um, no Garrett Bowles is a massive factor here as well. Yeah. And while we certainly won that game, what was frustrating for me was there was still some ridiculous misfires from Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, there was one particular throw where um, he had Dulcich and Hamler wide open mm. and 
failed to hit either of them um, on the same play, and they were within five yards of each other. He decided to split the difference and complete it to no one. Um, and then just generally, I don't know that I've got the confidence in them to match up well against this Titans defense at all. Um, I think they're going to eat Denver for breakfast in, in, in that regard. And I think it's going to be really tough for us to score points. And you've also got to remember that while we won the game, we beat the 2022 Jacks. Yeah. Not the 2017 Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Green Bay. Okay. Yeah. It's this, this Titans team is, I mean, this, this is a battle of, of coaching standards really, isn't it? Like, the Titans yeah. team is so ridiculously well coached, whereas the Broncos still seem to be fight, like ten games into the season, seem to be ten weeks into the season, seem to be still trying to figure out what they actually are. Well, it's quite interesting because, mm. um, actually, we'll get to that in the next game. But um, <laughs> we've had two head coaches fired. Yeah, who and one of whom is a first-year head coach with their team. Yeah. Who's the other and one? Surely you've heard the news what in the news? last couple of hours. No, no, that that was fake. What was fake? Josh McDaniels. It was fake. Yeah, yeah. The, welcome to new Twitter, wow. where uh, someone pretending to be Adam Schefter with a check mark uh, is not Adam Schefter. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, you know, there you go. I feel idiotic yeah. and stupid. But yeah, I think um, that the first head coach has fallen this year, and I think um, Frank Reich losing his job and Nathaniel Hackett keeping his. Some people make make the false equivalency and say, well, how does he keep his job when Reich doesn't? Mm. I think with Nathaniel Hackett, you still give the benefit of the doubt for the inexperience, and it is better than the experience we had in weeks one through four. But at the same time, if there isn't some kind of fundamental shift in how well the offense performs... It may be as early as this week that we actually see him go. They've had a bye week. Yeah. And the bye week should sort out, sort this kind of stuff out. That's what it's for. That's what you use it for. Well, it's no, just been... used to refine their offense. We need to use it to actually finish installing the offense. Yeah. I, I think you need someone that's just, it's clearly not clicking between him and him and Russell Wilson. No, but then I get the sense that no one clicks with Russell. I get the feeling it's difficult. I think you, you just need to let him... Aaron Rodgers eventually came round to the idea of what Matt Fleur wanted to do on offense. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like Russell Wilson ever wants to do that. No. Um, and that's predominantly what... Um, what they did in the end, at the end of the game in London was, mm. okay, let Russell Wilson cook, or whatever <laughs> we're we're saying this week. I don't know, um, but if he's going to cook, he needs to cook with a little bit more precision and accuracy yeah. going forward. Yeah, agreed. Um, the the only, however, bus you could mm. bring around the corner is Malik Willis, but then at the same time, I would bet on Malik Willis being managed. Um, and then leaning heavily on Derek Henry. Mm. Um, 
and them taking advantage of Malik Willis's ability to run the ball as well. I think they're going to try and bulldoze the Broncos. They're not going to try and get into a throwing contest with that that secondary, and I think they're just going to try and actually win on the ground. Yeah. Um, and I see it being quite one-sided. So I'm probably thinking it's going to be something like Titans 24, Broncos 3. Maybe I'm going to give, once again, I'm I'm feeling generous. I'm going to give the Broncos at least one touchdown. Uh, I'm going to go Titans 17, Broncos 10. I'm going to go for a Titans win at least. Next up, game of the week. Next game, Colts Raiders. I think we're all excited about seeing what this Colts team is going to look like with Jeff Saturday as the head coach. Um, intrigued, at least. See him on the sideline. See if he holds clipboard the right way up for starters. That would be entertaining. Uh, up against a Raiders team that have just simply imploded in nearly every second half of every game so far this year. Uh, last game, Devontae Adams had 140 yards in the first half, and I think he had six yards in the second half. Mm. It was working for him for them to target Devonta Adams in the last game and they went away from it and they ended up losing the game and they keep throwing away leads. Josh McDaniels can't last long if he continues to do this. I just wonder how excited the Raiders are about having him on the roster, whether they wouldn't rather, I don't know, get Rod Woodson in or something like that instead to come and manage their team. It's, it's just a mess for both these teams. Like if the Colts are going to sneak a victory with this entire new look head coaching team, then this might be the game to do it. But then if the Raiders are looking at getting good, it's Sam Ellinger and a poor Colts team. There's the way to go as well. I mean, how do you see this one going, James? Um, As bad as the Raiders were, let's reel off the list of fundamental death blows for the Colts here. You have to start Sam Ellinger. Yeah. Right. You've got a first-time head coach. Yeah. Well, not a first-time head coach, but he's only ever coached in high school, and he has a record that's barely over 500 coaching in high school. Yeah. He also has a coach, been a head coach for, I think, since 2020. Mm. Um, you have got a play caller who has never called plays in college or the NFL. As yep. well, calling plays for the first time. But you've also got John um, Fox and Gus Bradley in the building as well. And yes, yeah, you do. Yeah, and they just refuse to like. As much as I think they're not great head coaches, if you just try and make it to the end of the season, oh, the whole thing's a mess. But where is this offensive game plan? What is this? Are they just literally going to hope that Frank left a playbook like Frank? Mm. Or are they going to be installing the Hebron Christian High School 2020 offensive game plan? I, I mean, I hope know. they are. <laughs> you know, the one that they built, beat Sunnyville High 59 nothing with. <laughs> and everyone I got don't... participation awards. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like, just, I, I don't understand how this is going to have, work and what this is going to look like and how this could you can't just jump in to the NFL like this. You no. can't just, just go, oh, yeah, do you want to come and coach? It's like, okay. Yeah. It's the lack of, like, if he is taking over, like, the CEO kind of role, 
It's the lack of surrounding talent he has to actually run the team. That's why I can't get my head around. Like I'm all for, okay, so this guy comes in and he's a players, players coach. Players just love him. But you know what he's also done? He's also brought in a very savvy offensive coordinator and a very savvy defensive coordinator as well. That's not what the Colts have here because this is an interim head coach's job that should have been given to John Fox or Gus Bradley so they can just ride out to the end of the season. Ursay has staged a military coup and put his own puppet government in. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly what he's done. Um, yeah. I think the Raiders are actually going to win this one. Yes. Um, quite handily. Um, I think yes. th- this is the kind of game that if I'm Josh McDaniels going, I need to prove a point here. Mm. Foot on the gas. Devontae Adams with 250 yards. Just keep going with it. And yeah. just dominate this game. Just absolutely annihilate the Colts. And I think yeah. they have an opportunity to do that. I mean, I'm going to go something like 37 to 17. Oh, that's that's optimistic for the Colts. 37 to 6 to the Raiders. Uh, 43 nothing to the Raiders. <laughs> Everybody gets a touchdown. You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. Yeah. You get a touchdown. And you get a touchdown. It's a get-good game for the Raiders, I think. Let me put it that way. It, it is, but it will be a get-good game that everyone will say is meaningless. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is it really does speak to Ursa's, um bullish sort of hubris that he can overlook two perfect interim coach interim coaching candidates. Yeah. You couldn't think of, it, of having two people in the room in that coaching staff, who are better candidates to be an interim coach. John the, Fox has literally been a head coach twice. The rumour was that he was calling Jeff Saturday whilst the game was on on Sunday. Oh, yeah. okay. That's a very Ursa. He, he is becoming his father, only less boozy. Yeah. At least Bob had the excuse that he was half cut most of the time. <laughs> I think he's just panicking. Like, I don't think he knows what to do with this team. I think Andrew Luck retiring has absolutely thrown them all through a loop um, and just completely changed what how they plan to operate this team. Speaking of plans to change to how they operate a team, the Green Bay Packers play host to the Dallas Cowboys. Packers are three and six. They've lost is it five games in a row now, which is just bonkers. Uh, yes. And yeah. the problem is... Mm-hmm. Um, this game's going to have a little bit of extra sauce, mm. isn't it? Yes. Mike McCarthy is currently in charge of a very capable NFL team. And for once, he's up against a Green Bay Packers team that he's not in charge of that isn't very capable. I, I This strikes me as a game where the Packers' problems go from bad to worse against this Dallas defense because they are playing very, very good. And very, very good. They're playing very well. Um, and the Cowboys secondary just has a just next level compared to what the Packers are going to want to do mm. with their wide receivers. No Aaron Jones in this one as well. So they're limited to AJ Dillon, I'd imagine, gets the lion's share of running ball. Mm. It's not a good matchup for, this, for the Green Bay Packers. And while no. we're at it, the Packers' run defense is woeful. 
they're up against a two-headed monster of Zeke and, and Tony Pollard again. So, yeah, I mean Zeke's back. Zeke's questionable, but yeah. even a questionable Zeke and Tony Pollard is spectacular um, cocktail of horror. Um, the other worry is David Bakhtiari's bit was on a snap count. Yeah, versus the Lions, he was in and out. Yeah, which tells me that things are all not well with him, and 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 you can't sustain losing him as well. That's terminal. Yeah, um, and and I take no pleasure, no no pleasure, in 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 foreshadowing the the imminent demise of the Green Bay Packers 2022 edition. I I take no pleasure. No, I, take I mean, great pleasure. Um, if it's if, funny. if they're going to make the playoffs, which is looking incredibly no. unlikely now. It's they done. need to start winning games. I think they're done as well. I gen- I don't see how they can win games like this one. No. I think they can beat no. bad teams. Don't get me wrong, but then they haven't proven that they can. Um, they lost to one of the worst teams in the NFL last week. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they looked terrific doing it. And the Cowboys are one of the better teams in the NFL, and they're one of the better coach teams in the NFL. Mike McCarthy's probably going to have a field day here as he he returns to Lambeau. Yeah, and the genius thing they did, right? They installed mm. a slightly easier offense for Cooper Rush. Yeah. And Cooper Rush won them games. And they were like, let's not change anything. Let's yeah. put a lovely, exciting, proper starting quarterback into this offense that is easier to run. Yeah. And the results are there for everyone to see. They're yeah. being coached well. They're playing well. Yeah, I think they got lucky um, because I think they Ish. should have. Yeah, but then they yeah. ran with it. They 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 made the savvy choice to just go. Oh well, this is working, so let's just run with it. But yeah, the defense uh, scared would scare me if I were having to game plan offensively. Should we say? I don't. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to look downfield and just not see anyone open. Um. Yeah. And while that's it's happening, gonna he's going to have Micah Parsons in his face as well. Spot on. So again, I think this is quite obviously and actually going to be another game where you're like, oh, that was a buzzsaw. We should yeah. have seen that coming. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I've already so, written yeah, down agreed. Cowboys. I'm, I mean, I'm going to go uh, 34 to 17 to the Cowboys. Yep. Um, 33 to 3, no touchdowns for Aaron. Ouch. And probably double figure sacks. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And uh, I will feel very sorry for him. Yeah, me too. Here's an yeah. idea. Maybe don't spend your whole summer doing ayahuasca and actually put in some work and join your teammates. But there we go. Yeah, show up for OTAs. Do that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah. I, I said this on last night's pod that we... Sorry, the pod from a few days ago. Um, <laughs> is is that when Tom Brady hit 40, he started talking about how his off-season didn't really exist anymore. Because his off-season was spent recovering and getting ready for the next season. Yeah. Because you get to a certain age and your body just doesn't do the things that you want it to do anymore. And it yeah, feels like Aaron Rodgers is just completely ignoring this. Yep. Like You can just see. I'm not saying that it 100% makes a difference, but you can see the difference in mentality from Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers and how it's going to end up looking for, for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you know, Tom Brady is like, screw my kids, screw my wife. Okay, I'm going to work out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas yeah. Aaron's more like, I'm going to fall in love. I go on a gap year. Yeah, not with my family though, because I hate them still. Um, yeah. <laughs> next up, 
three and six Arizona Cardinals visit the three and five LA Rams. Currently, Matt okay. Stafford Have is in you... concussion protocol. Sorry, go on. Yes, that's the current yeah. breaking news. Yes. Yeah. He is in concussion protocol. That's concerning. Who's the backup? Josh, really, for the Rams? really can. Yeah. Oh. Well. I... Um. That, now that's actually a very pressing question that is quite important for us to answer, and we do need to answer it. But John's <laughs> worrying. What? It took them two days to realise. That's a little concerning, isn't it? Considering this year it, has been all about trying to improve. Yeah. Because it um, showed up in standard tests my that God. they do. It just showed up two days after the game, and they now they are now convinced it happened in game. Yeah. <clears throat> so, is Matt Stafford just one of those people that you talk to him and aren't sure if he is concussed the whole time, or is your medical staff terrible? <clears throat> the answer to that question is probably yes, and yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I I, I kind of get the feeling that Matt Stafford is one of those I'll tough it out kind of guys. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Your legs falling off. That's yeah. okay. It's cool. Just put it, some tape on it. What's hilarious in in this game is that I I genuinely think even if Matt Stafford was playing, that I think the Cardinals probably still have the upper hand here. Well, the Rams feel dead. Yeah. In the water. Yeah, they, they don't feel like they have any spark. Yeah, they can't run a lick. They haven't got anybody with any speed on yeah. the offense. And no way of really creating explosive plays outside of Cooper Cup mm. and Matt Stafford. Yeah. And if a Sean McVay offense can't run the ball as its foundation, yeah. it doesn't really work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. It's like, you know, you've made a Victoria sponge, but all you've actually done is put cream and jam on a turd. <laughs> yeah. This Ram seems incredibly disappointing. Uh, the the Cardinals seems just odd in terms of how it's put together. But I do think they've <coughs> probably got enough interesting players on this roster to um, definitely cause the Rams problems. Um, yeah. Kyler Murray's natural ability kind of negates a lot of the offensive line issues that yeah. Aaron Donald will be licking his lips at. Um, yes. Having DeAndre Hopkins back helps. Having... Oh, it's Hopkins versus Ramsey, isn't it? Oh, my God, it is, oh, isn't it? I hadn't even thought about that. going to be epic. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I love the fact that he got thrown last week. It was hilarious. Yeah, he really thrown. did as well. Yeah. I think DeAndre Hopkins gets the upper hand in this one as well. I think Hopkins is playing really, really well, and I do too. I think I think this can only go one way. I think I think the Cards are just currently a better team at the moment. I still yeah. don't trust Cliff Kingsbury as an, as a play caller. No, but well, I trust Kyler yeah. Murray to just make magic happen on his own. Plus, having James Conner and DeAndre Hopkins back is going to be infinitely better situation. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. This team's much healthier than the Rams team as well. Yeah. Um, maybe close. Twenty-one seventeen to the to the to the um cards. I reckon. 
I think this is the wake up call for the Rams. So it's going to, I think it's going to be cards 27, Rams 10. Ouch. Yeah, well, regardless, potentially uh, interesting situation for the Rams anyway at the moment. So mm. uh, next up, we have the somehow five and three LA Chargers against the four and four San Francisco 49ers. The Niners seem like they've got a game plan. They've got a team. Christian McCaffrey looks fantastic. <laughs> Makes up for the deficiencies <coughs> from Jimmy Garoppolo's game that I think they were hoping that Trey Lance <coughs> would be playing, obviously currently this season mm. and the charges have just somehow managed to win close games to get into five and three i think mm. the niners are probably the better team here and i think you have justin herbert looking across the sideline and seeing carl shanahan calling all these fantastic plays for the niners setting up some great passes for them and you have him just just justin Herbert just going wish that was me rather than joe lombardi calling the same three plays over and over again it's oh it's, it's frustrating right it's yeah and, mm. and it's a symptom of the fact that they don't have really any guys that are particularly great off the catch no or particularly explosive downfield i think no speed yeah you know, justin herbert deserves <clears throat> a lot of credit yeah for playing well with what he has had to cope with. He's lost his left tackle. He's lost his two he's lost two wide receivers. Yeah. And two good wide receivers as well. Like really and good. He's barely recovered from busted ribs. Yeah. And he's played he's not been the problem. No. Not at all. No, absolutely. He's done not. a very good job um mm. in crappy circumstances with crappy game planning and crappy play yeah. calling. Um Brandon Staley the defense is mm. not very good at the moment. It's not. And you do kind of wonder, what are you here for? Brand Stadium was brought in because of his revolutionary <laughs> defense. Yeah. But it hasn't worked. Yeah, so if that's not playing well, and the team's not gelling, and you're not doing a great job as a head coach, in charge of an offense that's failing as well because your offensive coordinator is yep. rubbish. And it's cost you 110 million to look this bad. Yeah. Brandon Staley's seat is probably a bit toasty right now, I would say. Oh, it's pretty darn warm. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest mistake they made was not firing Lombardi. Yeah, I agree. In the offseason and replacing him immediately. I mean, it looked this um, bad last year as well. This isn't a new thing. Yeah, it's not. No, it's not at all. Not near at all. It was the same when they had 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 receivers healthy. It's the same mm. problem. Um. So, and then you look at the Niners, who appear to have. <laughs> I wouldn't say lucked into Christian yeah. McCaffrey. They went blatantly paid for him, but Carl Shanahan is just clearly decided that he's going to create all the plays for him. All yeah. the plays in the world. And um, he's going to be a devastating weapon for this team. Yeah. And I don't know how on earth the Chargers will cope with it. Yeah. I don't think they can. Oh, I think they're going to get annihilated in this one, personally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to go 41 to 21 to the Niners. 
Yeah, I'm going to go 9-34-10. I think the defense is going to give give the offense a shellacking. Yeah, and, and I think the Niners' offense can take full advantage of this Chargers' defense as well. Derwin James will cause problems. It's worth mentioning. Khalil Mack as well. But um, not as many as they should be causing. So, no. so yeah. I'm very, very excited for game number three of Christian McCaffrey's Niners career. Yeah. Well, he's probably kicking a field goal in this one, so. Yeah, or getting yeah. a safety. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, last game, yeah. I don't want to spend too long on this because I think this is only going to go one way. The four and five Washington Commanders go visit the eight and oh Philadelphia Eagles, edging ever closer to perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, the Commanders looked reasonably good against the Vikings, I thought. And did cause yes. them a number of problems. They just couldn't close out the game, which is a problem we've seen regularly for Taylor Heineke. Um, they're up against an Eagles team that just find, just look at the team they're playing and find interesting new ways to beat each team, judged just by the skills they've got on offense and on defense. <clears throat> I think Taylor Heineke could throw at least two interceptions in this one. I was against that about secondary. to say. Yeah. If you were to pick a list of quarterbacks currently starting in the NFL, mm. you would not want to play this Eagles defense. Yes. Heineke's on that list. Yeah. I, I think some of my favorite things about Taylor Heineke are he has zero fear. Yes. Like zero fear. He does not care. He knows he's lucky just to be there. So he's like, I might as well just go down my own way yeah. and not be a shrinking violet. And he got away with a couple. There's 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 the moon ball to Curtis Samuel between yes. three defenders, and the only reason that isn't picked is because one of the officials absolutely levels one of the defenders. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I give four marks to Curtis yeah. Samuel for making the catch. It was glorious. Yeah. But you should never, never throw that ball. Hmm. You should never throw it the way he threw it either because it yeah. went up like a missile and came down like a punt. <laughs> um, and he, and you know, it's if you're going to move the ball and score points on this Eagles defense, you need someone who's calm, who's measured, who is precise, who is accurate and knows when mm. to take his shots. It's not Taylor. That's not no. Taylor. It's not mm. Taylor. And that secondary will eat him alive. Yeah, agreed. As for the pass rush. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is only going one way. Uh, in terms of Eagles' <laughs> offense against the Washington defense, sure, Washington can get pressure on them, but Devontae Smith can get open very, very quickly. And Jalen Hurts is becoming yeah. very good at finding the open guy on his offense. And if worse comes yes. to worse, he is also very good at running for a first down as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see how even the Washington defense, which is okay, can cause problems for this Eagles offense. I think the Eagles all round have the advantage in this game. Yeah, and normally you'd say the NFC East is a funny division, though, but it's not this year. Mm. It's quite clear who the terrible teams are in that division, who the good teams are. Yeah, well, definitely. Three good teams and the commanders. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Um, sorry, you can say something. 
No, I wasn't. I was going to go straight to scores, and I thought I'd let you go first. No, okay, scores-wise, uh, Eagles 48, Commanders 3. What about you? Eagles 51, Commanders nothing. <laughs> Love it. Right, we're going to wrap things up now. That is week 10. There's some crazy games in there, and there's some very one-sided games potentially as well. Uh, if you want to contact us, hit us up on Twitter. It's just at Gents. And while you're there, why not head over to our pinned tweet and join our Discord, where we are regularly talking NFL, like probably on an hourly basis, I would say. Um, yeah, pinned tweet on there. And if you want to email us, hello, chaps, at gridirongentleman.com. If people want to get hold of you, James, where can they get hold of you? They can get hold of me on the Discord. Best place to find me. It's where yeah. I'm most active. That and OnlyFans. There you go. Yep. Don't forget to sign up to James's OnlyFans. With that, enjoy it's week 10. not worth it. <laughs> There's 30% off at the moment, so yeah, give it a go. Um, 30% off, and um, my TED Talk will be on YouTube. Tomorrow. Nice. <laughs> um, if you happen, happen to be travelling to Germany, enjoy the game. I mean, that's going to be mm. a lot of fun. Very, very jealous of people travelling there now. I, um, okay, yeah. very quickly, yeah. German game. Yeah. If I see one NFL analyst eating sausage or wearing lederhosen, I'm going yeah. to vomit. I think we've already if they had pick it. That low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Really. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. So back next week, week eleven. <laughs> for listening and goodbye.